Thanks for joining us on the Bridges Across Every Divide podcast. As a special treat, there is a hidden teaser in each and every title of every podcast and try to guess what it is. So in today's installment, titled The Beginning of a Beautiful Friendship, so Phil, how did we all get together and meet and start on this wonderful adventure? Well, actually, the first time we met was uh, doing an interview like this in front of cameras. So that was the very first time we met, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. And uh, that was all due to uh, Jennifer Bruner. So she's a friend of yours, mm-hmm. and uh, she's a friend of mine, the former uh, Secretary of State of Ohio. Right. And uh, I knew her because uh, she used getting ahead uh, just getting by world in her drug court. She's the first judge to ever do that. And our relationship grew from there. She became a certified bridges trainer. And somewhere along the line, she met you. Well, yeah, um, I met Jennifer because um, we both um, adore data. And when she was Secretary of State, um, she did a lot with data, and I met her through that. And then we started to have coffee together usually at a coffee house that would have lots of glass windows because we wanted people to see a pedigree Democrat like her having coffee and being nice with a pedigree Republican like me. And um, we didn't quite see people spew Starbucks out their nose, but it was pretty close a couple of times. (laughs) Um, But we would just sit there and just chat about, you know, policy data, emerging data, new trends. And it was during one of those, I said, I need to find out more about poverty. And she says, oh, do I have the person for you? And she said, oh, you have to, you have to meet Phil Duvall. And she was emphatic and insistent in a way that only a judge can be. So it was very, she was very firm about it. I went, okay, yes, I will go meet Phil Duvall. So. Well, she wrote uh, the foreword to our book. Yes. And I learned something in reading that, that you helped her with the uh, Better Lives, Better Ohio uh, data collection system that she built. Well, very mo- just just very modest. Okay. I, ju- I just went to a couple of meetings and oh, I expressed see. So my opinions, oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. which I'm very shy. And that comes, that's very right. hard for me to do. As right. You know. We all know you that way. So, um, But that was something that uh, I helped her with. Um, you know, because I was talking about a social health index, which yes. is something that helps measure how well your community is doing. And there wasn't one for Ohio, and most states don't have one. So that became something that uh, we worked on. Yeah. And then what happened was um, uh, when the, during that interview I did for you for the Center for Community Solutions, um, uh, you said that whereas you were having great success in meeting with the Indiana bankers about your program, you could not get any traction with the, with the Ohio bankers. And I said on the show, I said, well, I'll just call it Mike Edelman and we'll just get together. So we were having coffee with Mike from the Ohio Bankers League, and I got a text message from then chairman of the House Finance Committee, Representative Ron Amstutz, who basically was, what are you doing and where? And I said, I'm over at an athletic club having coffee with Mike Adelman and Phil Duvall come over and I'll introduce you. So he came over, sat down. And this is one of those surreptitious shows about relationships. And he, after about, you know, sitting there for about 20 minutes, he turns to me and goes, healthier Buckeye councils. And I look at him and I'm going, huh? Because my telepathy is not working that day and I could not read his mind. But Ron's been for some time looking for some pixie dust, something that he could sprinkle over the issue of 
the, the, and all the silos uh, that relate to poverty and come up with some way to begin to develop. It's like he could see something out of the corner of his eye. There was a color here he could not quite see. And he heard you talking about, you know, the various ways that you, you know, that you, you implement your, your methodology and everything. And he, all the light bulbs went off for Ron. And he had a ology, if you will, to go along with his concept. And then he turned that into legislation, yep. got money for it. Yes. And that turned into the Healthier Buckeye Councils and uh, $11.5 million going to 20 or 21 sites. And uh, 10 of those were solid Bridges sites, and uh, and then Bridges played a part in a number of other ones as well. So Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then I think it's also been about, this is a good point for the whole Bridges movement in that it's aged now about 20 years. And it's, a, it's now, it's like, it's like the issue of benefit, the benefit cliff. Um, the benefit cliff is where, for those of you who are listening, do, do not know anything about it. Um, if you get a raise or promotion on your job and you are a member of the working poor, it could suddenly find that you have jeopardized your your housing situation. And um, all of a sudden, then you lose your housing and now your life really devolves into chaos very quickly. And um, uh, so it's now time for the Bridges communities to begin to look at public policy. Right, right. And that's where this whole thing, you know, we started, that's when you started working. I think you kind of sensed this on an intuitive level and became very involved, you know, walking through the halls of the Ohio State House all yeah, the time. Yeah. And, well, I mean, I think uh, meeting you has made it possible for me to think completely differently. I. I have been, uh, I've been doing this for 20 years, and all along I've been saying uh, we have to stay clear of policy because it will get branded uh, either as uh, a liberal thing or a conservative thing, and we can't have that. So I was always being very cautious about it, but uh, once we got to talking and I began to learn um, about how to make relationships with with the legislators and so on, it became more and more an idea that we could actually bring policies from the ground up. And and now, uh, 20 years, it is time to do this. And so. the, the, there are two consistent themes I've noticed in all Bridges' um, writings is that, one, relationships are the key aspect of it, but also the hidden rules And you had, you know, I remember you you going, wow, there's all these, you know, how do you know what to do all the time? And I'll give away one hint right now to the listeners is when you do testimony, you always have your testimony printed in the 16-point font. And that's because most legislators, county commissioners, city council people that you're testifying in front of are of a certain age, and often need cheaters in which to read. And they do not necessarily appreciate having to pull out those glasses and be reminded of their age. So you give them a 16-point font, they're very happy. And they will even comment to you, wow, thank you, I can actually (laughs) read this. You know. Yeah, so we have people coming from um, several places in Ohio to testify. And these are all people that are using bridges in a big way. And there were getting head graduates there, and there were, uh, you know, the Bridges uh, trainers and, and leaders in the community. 
And they all came with a 16 font paper and they all uh, testified and they were all learning the hidden rules from you. And we were sending out the word to them about, yeah. you know, how to do all this. So I, I think all that helped. And, um, uh, but it also helped, I think, to demystify it. There's a huge dissatisfaction out there in the general public with um, how their government is responding or not responding to the, to the needs that they see. For example, um, it's poverty, but it's also transportation issues. It's housing issues, workforce development, and workforce development really brings in the business community. Um, but um, people are very unhappy with how things are working. And uh, I think this is... Uh, I, I think that uh, people like to have simple answers to poverty. And they're looking for a bromide and they kind of get stuck on things like pull yourself up by the bootstraps, you know, or pass systemic policies from above. You mean my most beloved cliches are not accurate? No, they're not. And so it's so complicated that it takes a comprehensive approach. And I think that's uh, what we're bringing to this is uh, accurate information about what poverty is by working directly and listening to and learning from people in poverty. And that's the first place. And then when they become engaged and they begin taking responsibility for what they're doing, we change our focus and go like, okay, so what changes need to be made by the institutions? Yes. And institutions have barriers that they create for people in poverty they don't know about. So those become clear. And then we realize, well, the communities are putting up barriers too that are unbeknownst to the people that don't live in poverty. You make me think about your experiences in Oklahoma with water fees. Could you discuss that just a little bit? Right. Um, well, Muskogee, Oklahoma has a really strong uh, bridges initiative. And um, they have been at it about six or seven years. They were funded by a foundation that gave them a million dollars to lift it off the ground and said, if you do good work, you get a second million. So the city councilmen, the mayors, uh, the mayor, uh, leaders in the, in the city hall have been trained in bridges concepts. Uh, along with people from many sectors. And then they have people going through getting ahead and just getting by world. They're people in poverty and they get to know each other. They go to the graduation. Relationships. Relationships. And um, one of the getting ahead graduates who I had been told that she had learning disabilities, ended up going to college, got a degree, got hired in social services, became employee of the month. And um, Mary Hicks is an amazing woman. And... Um, so she went to City Hall with a getting a graduate who was could not pay her water fees, and they were turning off her water, and she was afraid of having her children removed because she wouldn't have water in the house. Because if you don't have water in yeah. the house, you're not taking care of your kids. Your toilets will not work, yeah, and then yeah. therefore it's an unsafe, yeah. unsanitary environment. Yeah. So Mary Hicks uh, talks to and introduces this this woman. To the officials in City Hall there. And, and the mayor, when they were walking through the hallways. And so the next thing you know, these people were actually taking her seriously because this is Mary Hicks, for Pete's sake, you know, someone we know. And they listened to her and they found out through all of this that um, this form of fees was generating $1.4 million for that city every year. And it was based on charging the poorest people the most because there's a fee for turning water on and off. And when you don't pay it in time, there is a fee to get it turned back on and another fee. 
And this was generating so much money from the poorest folks. And this made it possible for those people to come around and go, even though giving up, they weren't going to give up all of 1.4 million. That's, mm. a, that's a lot of money for a small city. But in two years' time, it took them that long. But they made a process that was fair. Yes. And the interesting thing is, is that the narratives of the left and right never got in the way of solving the problem. That's amazing. Amazing. And this is one of the things that you and I learned in the interviews we did with cities like Muskogee. Yes. And finding out by asking, are are conservatives and liberals both involved in your city doing these things? And you know the answer was always yes. Yeah. And then when we said, well, do the narratives of the right and left get in the way? And the answer was always no. And this was because relationships have been formed and people began to see that you know, poverty is complex and it requires a comprehensive approach. You know, and you brought up the city's fiscal situation, and I now I want to swing back to the states just for a little bit because we have the cities, you have your counties, you have your states, and for the states, I I sincerely believe uh, that one of the biggest appeals that um, Bridges advocates need to remember when talking to state legislators is Medicaid in most states is viewed as the Pac-Man that is eating the state budget. That uh, Medicaid spending, since it when it was first initiated, was a half a percent of the national GDP, and now it's at 2% of the GDP. And what always happens to these states is that when economic times go bad, then your Medicaid expenditures go up because it's needed more. But at the same time, in any state that has an income tax or, you know, or at all, first of all, all tax revenue will decline in a recession. But for income tax, increasingly, it's the top, you know, 10% that now produce up to 80% of the tax revenues in that state. Two thirds of that number comes from capital gains and dividends. So now the state becomes incredibly uh, sensitive to economic downturns. So when I talk to members of the General Assembly in Ohio about the advantages of the bridges uh, out of poverty and the getting ahead model, um, they immediately go to, they, yes, many of them have, they want to fix this for the moral reasons, but then there's the fiscal things. Because what happens when the state undergoes a recession is they either increase taxes or they cut funding to schools or both, but at the end of the day, Everybody's unhappy, and legislators find your approach, you know, and the various communities' approach to be um, refreshing and a different way of thinking about and looking at this. So it's been very, very helpful to them. Well, with that, we'll go ahead and thank you very much for listening to the podcast on Bridges Across Every Divide. And we will um, come back at you at a later point in time. And we look forward to working with you in your communities, coming to your communities, helping you there. And the book uh, is, is available, um, and we urge you to go online and find a copy and order it today. Thank you.